Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, David Seymour. What have I been able to, to learn from the past? You know, people treat you about as well as you treat them. And if you invest in being a good person to others, you'd be amazed at the way they pay you back in unexpected ways. Mm. Are you being completely honest? Uh, of course, I'm a politician. <laughs> <laughs> David Seymour is probably most famous for two things, being the leader of the ACT Party for almost a decade and for twerking in Lycra on Dancing with the Stars a few years ago. We talk about a lot of things in this conversation. We talk about his relationship with other politicians, including Jacinda Ardern and Winston Peters. Remember, Jacinda was famously caught on mic at the end of 2022, calling him an arrogant prick. Uh, question number five, Nicola Willis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. We talk in depth about the heartbreaking death of his mum to cancer in his early 20s and why he has never watched the DVD she made for him in her final weeks. We talk about his whole Dancing with the Stars experience, all the strange little moments he's gone viral for, his relationship with alcohol, and how drunk he really was at the last election night. I want to also thank our 55 can candidates up and down New Zealand. Massive thanks to the team at Radix Nutrition, world-class nutritional products made in the Waikato and shipped worldwide. Here's a truth bomb. Chances are you're not getting anywhere near enough protein in your daily diet, and a shake is the easiest way to fix that. Protein shakes aren't just for juice heads at the gym who wear those big leather belts. Shakes can help you keep the muscle you already have, which is crucial as we get older. So please check out their website, Radix Nutrition, that's R-A-D-I-X dot co dot N-Z. All right, let's get into it. David Seymour on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Hey, Runners Only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey. This is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and ACT Party leader David Seymour. G'day. G'day, mate. How are you going? Very well. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Oh, no, great. Thanks. And um, the first thing we need to discuss and uh, take off is um, your relationship with running. The podcast is called Runners Only. Yeah. Uh, there is a running thread to it. Um, yeah. do, what is your relationship with running? You like running? You hate running? You run at all? I run every three years. Which, which, <laughs> which party do you run for? So we, we are recording this. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released, but we're recording it in uh, mid-January, the day after it was announced uh, that Jacinda Ardern resigned as Prime Minister. What are your thoughts? Um, look, first of all, I just wish her well. Um, every time there's a high-profile resignation, there's all, all this rumour mill. And, you know, I remember when John Key resigned, some of the rumours were just totally... Oh, everyone you know, was saying he was having an affair with Melissa Lee, was it? Oh, um, no, but it, wow, that, I hadn't heard that one. But, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's one of the better ones I've heard. But um, what, you know, what, the, what, the, what did you hear? Or you don't want to go oh, there? No, I couldn't oh, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but look, the, the truth is, um, John, 
loves life and he loves looking at numbers and he looked at his numbers and he realised he wasn't going to love life for much longer the way people were turning on him. Mm. He didn't want to stick around for his own political funeral and being a trader and a numbers man, he, he got out uh, before it got too hot in the kitchen. Mm. And um, I think something similar has happened here. Uh, you look at what she can achieve outside politics versus what she can achieve inside politics. Well, outside politics, and as she said herself, she she wants to see her daughter go to school on her first day and who, who could possibly hold that against her? Yeah. Um, she wants to marry her partner, good on her. Um, on the other hand, inside politics, um, you know, all the numbers are against her, the approval rating, the preferred Prime Minister, the Labour Party polling, the people saying the country's going the wrong direction, the business confidence. I mean, you pick a number, it's gone really bad recently. Um, and even if she got a third term, she'd probably be in a coalition with really difficult people, not a single-party government anymore. And I can see her just saying, why? Why? I, mean, I know there has to be a Prime Minister, but why do I have to ruin my life? So oh, yeah. good yeah. on her. And, um, you know, obviously there's many things I disagree with, uh, just under a dirt. That's why I lead a totally different political party. Uh, but good on her for, you know, giving it her best, having the best of intentions. And, um, you know, I hope that she, she does well with her family and, and whatever. And I'm sure she will have an interesting job next as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. And um, probably earn a considerable amount more money, I'd imagine, in the private sector, if that's what she chose to do. Yeah, who knows? Jump on a couple of boards, happy days. Yeah, who knows? I mean, um, what's your? What, how would you describe your your relationship? Is there a relationship between you and her at all? Do you guys hate each other? Like, if you no, if no. you if you hop into a lift and she's there, are you like sighing under your breath, like, oh god? No, I, no, I've never no. felt that way. I'm probably a bit unusual on the right. That one is, I've I've always thought she would do well. Um, we were both unsuccessful candidates in the Auckland Central electorate in the 2011 election. And so spending time with the other candidates backstage before the debates and stuff, I mean, some people are just dicks. I'll give you an example. Winston? Uh, yep, he'd be one. But, but Colin, he doesn't usually bother showing up for the debates. But um, Colin Craig, I, I refused to physically touch him. I just knew he was a dick in the way that he's... Um, pursued that poor ex-press secretary uh, through the courts year after year. It turns out my basic instinct was, was right. That's right. Um, yeah, Ra Rachel McGregor. Yeah, he, 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 he used to, took her to the cleaners. Yeah, she, she should get an honorary damehood or something for what she's gone through with that idiot. But anyway, um, Jacinda, on the other hand, you know, her, her charisma, her warmth, all of that stuff is real. Uh, so I always thought she had an X factor and a real talent and I've always personally liked her even as she's been putting in place policies that I, I believe will take years if not decades to fully reverse their impacts. Mm. What, I, I, do you think she'd say the same things about you? Or oh, like, she, I, I reckon she hates you. Yeah, she may well do. <laughs> she may do. I, I don't know. Um, I think... I think the difference is that she can sell and emote and, and do things better than I ever will be able to on the on the marketing side. Um, my background is I'm an engineer. I like putting together policy. You know, charter schools actually worked, uh, cancelled for ideological reasons, assisted dying, end of life choice. You know, that's, that's a successful policy. Um, and so my criticism of her was always not, not her intentions. I mean, who doesn't want to end child poverty and, you know, make New Zealand a kinder, gentler place? My, my criticisms of her always related to, you know, what she's saying she's doing is not going to work and, and often has the opposite mm. effect. I mean, you know, she banned exploring for natural gas. 
but now people are using more coal because there's no gas. I mean, mm, you, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. and and that's, I, I think that's the it's possibly, a flip side to everything. Well, it's it, it's it's funny, but somehow she got the intentions right and the results sort of totally wrong. Mm. And and I think she probably does have some resentment that I've always criticised her and pointed that out. That sort of frustration on her part reached um, fever pitch towards the end of the um, political year, year last year, 2022, when she was caught on mic calling you, what was it, a smarmy prick? <laughs> Arro- arrogant prick. Arrogant prick. Yeah. <laughs> Can the Prime Minister give an example of her making a mistake, apologising for it properly and fixing it? I stand by the work that we've done as a government over this last year and over this past term. We've always made decisions that we believe to be in the best interests of New Zealand at the time. Uh, Question number five, Nicola Willis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. So that sort of went went viral and you sort of managed to turn um, lemons into lemonade and yeah, had the had a transcript signed and it sold for a lot of money. How much did it sell for on Trade Me? Just over hundred one hundred thousand one hundred dollars. Fuck, that's crazy a, money. A guy who was um, and it's the most the most amazing job. He's actually an equine dentist uh, from the West Coast. Um, so if you need your horse's teeth looked into. Uh, here's the guy, and he's just had a big bill, so he needs your business. Um, and uh, Julian Julian Keeler from uh, from West Coast is a tremendous guy, a great New Zealander who put up a hundred thousand dollars for the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Yeah, now, something that I never—I I mean, I, I saw that I saw that when it happened. It was on the news that night. It was everywhere, and I thought it was kind of funny. And the way you reacted to it, it was—I mean, it was kind of funny. Something which I never really thought of, and I read some comments online, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting perspective. Had the shoe been on the other foot, and you called her a like a smarmy bitch or whatever, an arrogant bitch, you'd be cancelled. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine? You how? would. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have me on on your show. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. Oh, uh, I've had a convicted murderer on the show. I think you'd probably just. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Not. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. But if that's your comparison, I think you made. <laughs> but you, but you, you recognise that. Like, had the shoe been on the other foot, uh, it's a real double standard, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I think that there there are you know the world used to be a very uneven place. I mean, it's it's only forty years ago. You know, it's in my aunt's lifetime that that women couldn't have bank accounts and credit cards in New Zealand, uh, and there are still there's enormous progress and remaining big differences, and they work both ways. I mean, I think it's true that that female politicians tend to get more abuse and more violent abuse and more sexualized abuse. I mean, that's just from looking at some of the women we have in Axe Caucus. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, I think sometimes uh, men get, get held to a higher standard. I mean, you look at the Green co-leader, Barbara Davidson, going around talking about the, the C word and saying that, you know, C's are powerful and she's reclaiming the word. I mean, how, like, I mean, now that's mostly just weird, but, you know, like somehow that's okay, whereas I think if oh, I started saying... She's trying to, like, normalise it. Uh, yeah, 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 right, she's trying right. to reclaim the word, whereas I just, I just get the feeling that, um, you know, other people might get in greater difficulty. Then again, I did say the French love the cock and got away with that. French, for instance, love the cock. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> well, that's, one of your, that's one of your viral moments. I do want to get to that later. But I, since, since we've talked about your relationship with Jacinda, before we move on, I'd like to talk about another couple of relationships. So uh, Willie Jackson, he's a politician. Mm. What, what did he call you? He called you like a useless Maori or something. Like, I know, and I just want to say I'm a very useful Maori. Right. You know? is, that what, is that what it was? Useless <laughs> yeah. Maori? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you are, you are Maori. You're, that's right. Uh, he is no better than Brash. Just a useless Maori, that's all. 
you know. So, so you know. Yeah. How do you like? How do you feel about that? That's that's incredibly hurtful, right? Racist. Uh, well, it is, but again, it, it sort of depends because I mean, Willie mouths off in some way or another <laughs> every day, so you sort of don't take anything he take says that seriously. Yeah, but is that kind of just saying, oh, that's Willie being Willie? That's excuse Willie's me for a, Let's just say Willie's a bit of a Willie, right? Um, but, um, <laughs> look, I think. He's a he's a fascinating guy, uh, Willie. He's, he's impossible not to like. Um, and uh, I remember shortly after he became a minister, because he and New Zealand have a sense of humour and sit you next to the most unlikely people sometimes. Um, and he he'd been up uh, in question time, and there's the standard thing they ask, you know, does the minister stand by all their statements? And of course you have to say yes. Of course I stand by all my statements, and then try and justify them. And Willie just goes, well, yeah, at the time. <laughs> and, and so I was sitting next to him on the plane. And I said, Willie, you can't say that. <laughs> and, and, and he said, why not? Sometimes I change my mind. And I said, Fair enough. And I said you just meant. So, I mean, and, and when, when it came to um, end of life choice, because I, you know, I had to get every person to vote for it or, or enough people and one by one. And we, we spent a lot of time meeting with Willie and talking about, um, you know, what uh, euthanasia meant in Te Ao Māori and, um, you know, with a bit of help from an old kuia who remained nameless who we've basically set on him and she, she talked him around, I think. But he did actually give a, a really beautiful speech in Parliament about why he'd decided to vote for the bill and he has a way of simplifying things down or or maybe he only gets simple things in the first place but you know he he has a way of communicating things yeah, simply yeah. that is is a talent and, right. and you know everyone has a talent of sorts but um so look that's that's willy but i i think there's also a darker side to him in the sense that you know i think he genuinely believes that um, if you don't believe the right thing, then you're not a real Maori, right, and, okay. and and that is that is a really big problem because you know we had hundreds of years of of fighting for everyone to be equal and free, and now we're putting up these walls again, saying no, no, no. If you think this, you're the wrong type of person or whatever, and and that that's not that's not what New Zealand's supposed to be about. Do you have an ability to just pick up a guitar and play it without doing any lessons or watching tutorials on YouTube? Mate, I'm tone deaf. I had lessons right. for years. Maybe he's onto something then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it could be. Obviously, I'm disqualified. Yeah. Um, okay, one other person I want to discuss your relationship with before we move on to some other stuff, Winston. Is that a hate-hate relationship or is it sort of, was it like on-screen banter? He seems to, you seem to have a knack of really getting under his skin. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember when, um, you know, I was first elected and it was the same time Chris Bishop was first elected and, and Bish seems to have the same effect. And we both we <laughs> both gave speeches, because uh, you, you get to give your first speech, the maiden speech. We both gave speeches saying, look, basically, while New Zealand's got some problems, we quite like the modern New Zealand. Mm. Um, we think that New Zealand has turned out, you know, pretty good. Yes, there's some things that have gone wrong, and, and yes, there were some things that were better in the old days, but on balance, it's a more open, a more tolerant, a, a richer, a more hopeful society than it's been for a long time. And, and people, I know people say, oh, what about some of that? But, I mean, honestly, ask anyone who was actually around in 1980 what this country was like and what it's like today and which one would you want to live in. It's, a, it's an easy thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, of course, we were giving those speeches, and, and his whole belief is that actually it would be better to go back 50 years. And I think to see you know young people getting elected to parliament saying, actually, 
you know what? You're, you're the past now. You've lost the battle mm. um, and we're moving on and, and there's not really, um, you know, your politics doesn't really have anything to offer now because people are happy with the, with the way things are generally. That's oh, called like, progression, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think that's really broken him mm. uh, because, you know, he wants to take us back to the good old days when it was great to be a white straight man of the rugby racing and beer uh, and New Zealand's just his New Zealand doesn't mm. exist anymore. Well, there's aspects of 1980 that were probably better than than what they are now, but you know, for the most part, probably not. Right? 1980, I was seven at the time, and mm. uh, we didn't. We moved to a new subdivision. We didn't have like fences with our neighbours, and we'd go wandering around. And Mum would basically lock us outside and say, "Go out and play." And we'd just mm. play, and then she'd call out for us at dinner time. Mm. So there's aspects of that are simple in New Zealand, which is quite a beautiful thing. But mm. you can't have some of that in. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're talking about a very specific thing. Which is, <laughs> well, well, no, it's it's really yeah, interesting because, yeah. like, um, you, you know, kids are objectively safer. Like, the chance of of, of something really bad happening to a kid now, like, it's, it's, there's never been a safer time. Um, but people's perception is that it's really dangerous. Mm. And the funny thing is, because people are so scared for their kids, they, they protect them, and, and they actually are in greater danger because they haven't had independence. Yeah. They haven't had to build resilience. Yeah. So anyway, that's a, that, uh, that, I think that's a very interesting example. Yeah. But, and but, that's, it's, but it's against the trait. Yeah, it's and that's probably a good point. I, now that I think back, um, Riverdale Primary School in Palmerston North, like we had yeah. ju- uh, like a jungle gym there, and uh, it was a concrete pad underneath. Mm. Um, you wouldn't have, it's, an, it's a head injury waiting to happen, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there's probably most kids were okay. There are a couple that weren't, but we don't talk about them. Yeah, so. Yeah. Okay, so let's go all the way back. So you, um, you're born in Palmerston North. Uh, I'm from Palmerston North as well, and I've heard you make a very Religion. uncharitable joke um, yep. that you were born, and as soon as you were able to walk, you left town. Well, it, it, well mean spirit. I, I was about eighteen. I didn't say they were connected, but I was about eighteen months. So, yeah. so then, then where you moved to Northland? Yeah, well, I was born in Palmy, but my um, yeah. my my dad's family's from the Manawatu, right. and my mum's family's from Northland. Okay, so we sort of bounced between the two. So it's you and um, two brothers. Uh, yeah. So Mark and Zander. Mark and Zander, and yeah. um, your, your mum and dad were they to, they remained together? Did they break up? Um, well, they well they were till, till they they practiced till death do us part, um, but unfortunately, my mum uh, passed away fifteen years ago uh, this year. Yeah, so they, um, they were still together then. Yeah, yeah, they were certainly together at that point. Yeah, yeah sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, yeah. So your relationship with your dad, I saw an article online. You took him to the Dudes concert a couple of years ago, and you you had a name for it. You called it the Good Son Project. Oh, did I? Was, I, was I, that just a, a David Seymour that, joke? I, I, well, I didn't realise I'd said that publicly, but yeah. Um, what, no, what, we, what is the Good Son Project? Now he'll oh sheesh. Now he, I hope he doesn't hear this. Now he'll think hey, that well. I'm just doing him just part of a project. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I try and do, do uh, you know dad appropriate stuff. And, and one thing we have in common. So he he was in a band back in the day. Um, and um, famous band, or just a, like a oh, like a I think they won Battle of the Bands. So, right. you know, what, was they, the, what was the band called? I think it was called Freeway, right. and um, various members sort of you know joined and separated and joined, and, and eventually part of it ended up being my sex. So, so oh, they, wow. yeah, so they were you know sort of sort of a couple of steps removed. It's sort of like being, you know, Princess Beatrice or something. You're a few steps away, but, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. almost almost royalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and so, yeah, it's good to see. Um, I mean, the dudes was just absolutely stunning to see. Um, to, to finally understand why that band was so brilliant but couldn't last 
to see how good Peter Ehrlich's vocals were and how great um, Dave Dobbin was as a lead guitarist, but also watch that Dave wanted to be the singer, which, of course, eventually... Became Daisy Smash, yeah. Yeah, eventually got to sing all his own songs. Mm. Um, but it's just a shame that, that it couldn't hang together more. Yeah, that, that felt like a political... It was a lovely answer and a, a great chance to reminisce about My Sex and the Dudes, but it felt like a distraction to the, the Good Son project. Well, uh, which, I, which I'm trying not to publicise, because <laughs> it'll undermine... When I read that, can I let you know what I think it means? What's that? I feel, I feel like you're, you're so busy and maybe you haven't spent as much time with your dad as what you think you should, and you realise he's not getting any younger, so you need to make a conscious effort to do some Mate, things with well, him. We're going to the... We're going to the um, uh, Hot Rod and um, Classic Car uh, Day at, up at up at Kumu uh, this weekend. So there you go. It's another instalment. But Dad, it's not it's not part of a project. I really do want to do it. <laughs> but are you try and do like one one thing a month. Is it once every quarter? I know you're a busy uh, guy. Close to a quarter, to be yeah, honest. But yeah, yeah. it's pretty wild schedule. How's how's he been? Has he found anyone another partner or anything? Yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, but. You know, there's, uh, I try not to bring my my family too much into. I'm I'm the one that shows a public life okay. rather than them. So, okay, yeah. is that shutting this this line of questioning down? Because <laughs> I, I I I mean yeah the the stuff about uh, you want to talk about your mum more? Oh sure. Okay, I mean, so you. Yeah, so your mum, uh, Victoria, mm. um, incredible woman. So she was one of yeah. the last kids in the Western world to have polio. That's true. Yeah. So w- yeah. what did, what did that mean exactly? Like what did that well, look like? Well, so. Um, you know, one of the most extraordinary things that's happened in New Zealand history is when the Salk vaccine arrived um, by aeroplane. And people who knew the horror of polio, you know, children with wasted limbs getting put into iron lungs and terrible, terrible epidemic, like like nothing, you know, what we've seen with COVID is nothing compared to the, the horror of that. And, and people who had experienced it, that they were so desperate for the vaccine they actually went out on because there was not much airport security then. People actually went out onto the runway to try and get it to try and get it straight off the plane. When was this? Like nineteen six. Well, this was ni- this was nineteen fifty six right. in September of that year. She was born in April of that year, and I I might not have this entirely right, but pe- what I've pieced together is that she was supposed to get the vaccine at six months, um, but they didn't have it in, in Dargaville in Takopuru Hospital where she was born. Um, and so as a result, she missed out on getting the vaccine. And so after that, I mean, the Salk vaccine just wiped polio out from New mm. Zealand. So she was one of the last to, to get it. Um, and, and it meant a few things. I mean, it meant that, you know, she was told that she wouldn't run, um, that she wouldn't, she wouldn't be on this podcast, um, you know, she wouldn't walk, um, that she wouldn't have children, she wouldn't drive, she wouldn't, uh, you know, go to university, she wouldn't work. Because uh, you've got to remember the attitudes to people with a disability was different. Completely different. You know, like, yeah, they were sort of hidden from mainstream society, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, like, like now, if someone is living with a disability, you really try and help if you can. Mm. Um, but then it was almost like you're sort of, because you're not able, you're letting the side down. Totally different treatment. Um, and so that's, that's a really, um, you know, a good thing in a way that it's changed. But... That's what she faced then. So her story is incredible determination. And, and as it turned out, I mean, uh, she had kids. We mentioned my brother's a fine, upstanding citizen. So we'll say a politician, but, you know. Um, yeah, Blake, you, know you, can't, you can't have three perfect kids, can you? No, exactly. So one, one politician, not a bad price to pay for two good kids. Um, and um, she, she, um, she, you know, became Northland's biggest drug dealer. 
Um, <laughs> she was, the, put, she, she was the chief pharmacist at Northland yeah. DHB. I mean, she was shifting 15 million bucks of product into Northland every mm. year. Would that make her the biggest drug dealer? I don't know. Oh. I feel like there's some big shipments coming into Cape Reinga. Yeah, actually, I mean, by, that's in 2007 yeah. dollars. Okay. Though, so, you it's know, pre you know, methamphetamine. I mean, you'd know more about drugs than me, Dom. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it was a brilliant scheme. She was doing it right under the government's nose, but <laughs> getting them to fund it. But um, no, so she, you know, she was one of a, a vanguard of women who, who rose to the top of their professions. How did women to do that in that mm. generation? Um, she really defied the odds, didn't she? It was yeah, so, so that's, that's quite a formative story because I think a lot of what comes down to in politics, there's, there's people that believe you can make a difference in your own life and there's people that will tell you, oh, it's you know because of colonialism or it's because of this or that or structural something that you, know, you will never succeed or you need to be treated differently to succeed or whatever. Um, and I'm on the side that says actually, you know, the the ability to think and reason and, and make a difference, make tomorrow better than today. I mean, that's that's what New Zealand's about. Because the one thing I know about every Kiwi is that either you or your ancestors, at some point, someone decided to move way the fuck out to the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the longest journey anyone's ever made. Yeah, um, and, uh, <laughs> unimaginably horrible as well. Yeah, for the, for the hope or promise of a better and, life. And we've all got it in common. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the early Polynesian navigators, who, who, who the ancestors of Maori. I mean, that was amazing. Um, yeah, why did they leave Hawaii? Like, yeah, yeah. So what better do you want? Well, one, <laughs> this place one, is amazing. One theory. Yeah. Yeah, well, Hawaii, but uh, I mean, one theory is that um, because they didn't have um, any kind of telecommunications. Um, the ones that didn't come back, they assumed they'd gone to a better place, even if they all drowned. <laughs> so they just kept yeah, going yeah. until someone got somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, so, um, so, so your mum, growing up, would, like, would you say you're more of a mummy's boy or a daddy's boy or yeah, a, equal relationship with both of them? Oh, I'm a, to be honest, I'm a pretty independent-minded sort of person. Yeah, where so are you, where are you in the birth order? Uh, I'm a, a, a pre, what is it, there's a word for it, a primogeniture. I'm, a, I'm the fir- firstborn. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's the first. Okay, so you're 39? Yeah. And how old are your brothers? 37 and 35. 35, so, right. 34. Well, it depends what time of year it is, but yeah, 37 and 34 at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so your mum, um, she starts feeling unwell. She, got a, she t- took a pregnancy test or something, right, when she started feeling unwell, even though she was... Oh, I she didn't was, know. I didn't know that she was. Um, I mean, she was. She was. Like she 50 was. She was fifty. So yeah. that's a bit hopeful. <laughs> you know, I, I think this stems back to her, um, like her drug background. So she oh. she took a pregnancy test and it gave her like a false positive. How do I know this and you don't? Um, no, an I have heard this story. Yeah, I'm trying to work out where you heard it. But. it was, uh, I think I read it somewhere. I, yeah, I did a lot of research. And she, so she yeah. tested positive, so she knew she wasn't actually yeah, pregnant. No, I think that story is true because she knew there was some other marker that it would um, would trigger. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there was some sort of logic there, but not the way most people would use pregnancy tests. But um, in any event, yeah, she, she had cancer um, and... It gradually spread and and then ended up spreading much more rapidly. Lifestyle related or just bad luck, bad genes? Oh, um, look, there's there's some speculation that it was related to the fact that her job as a as a pharmacist at Northern Hospital was actually um, preparing um, cancer drugs for or chemotherapy treatments, which which are radioactive. Um, so, but look, I, that, that's a theory that yeah. some people have, have shared. I, I don't want to blame anyone at the Northland DHB for, for, for that being the case, but that's, that's the closest to a theory other than just total randomness. Yeah. So how old are you at the time? You're like 20, early 20s. So you just finished your university degrees? Yeah, so I just graduated uni. I would have been 23. So. Can you remember that moment where you got the news? 
I can actually because yeah. I was um, I had a mate who decided to go and work down in Queenstown, and it hadn't really been all it was cracked up to be. So I flew down there and we drove back up. So I was actually on a phone booth in in Hokitika. Uh, just because remember this was that's aging it yeah pre cell phone 2006 yeah. yeah well you could still you know kids you could go to a TARDIS well, actually <laughs> you, you could go to a box <laughs> uh, look forget it there were phones <laughs> there were phones that didn't move yeah, <laughs> yeah. long time ago uh, so no I do remember that with, so, with you, wait, so, so you phoned her from the you know, she can't phone you in a phone box so you phone home why did you phone home just for a check in Oh, no idea. Um, yeah, no, not sure about the reason, but, but anyway, that was the conversation. Wow. And was it terminal at that stage, or were they quite hopeful of finding a way out of it? I mean, well, she, she seems like a result. Yeah. She, she, mm. she fought polio and beat polio, like she defied all the odds. Yeah, well, as you say, I mean, she, you know, she read her own, um, she read her own test results because she was heavily involved in um, oncology at the hospital, so she... As she said, she she read her results and she knew it was a death sentence. Um, she said, "It's it's mm. pretty bad. It's pretty bad when you go in and the oncologist crying." <laughs> um, yeah, so no, she was pretty uh, realistic about it. So, did you, like being the eldest of the three boys, did you have to sort of, um, I don't know, like put on a like a brave face for your for your brothers? How old were they? Like, like, like mid to yeah, late teens. Well, well, they they would have been you know three and two uh, or three and five years younger than me. So I guess eighteen, seventeen, and and, and nineteen or, mm. or eighteen yeah. or twenty. Um, yeah, look, obviously, you know, one thing about death and and funerals and so on is that they they do actually unite families. Um, even though it's probably not really worth it, but that's that's one <laughs> minus silver lining. Yeah. Depends who it is, I guess. <laughs> so you'd graduated, and you were just yeah. about to go to Canada to take up a job over there. Yeah. And um, you were like, oh, do I go, do I not go? And your mum was like, go, you can't put your life on hold because of me, just make sure you've come back for my funeral. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, the other thing is with, with terminal illnesses, and I'll get in trouble with the end-of-life choice people saying this, but there is some uncertainty about the prognosis, and, and until you get quite close, it's hard to really say. So, so yeah, there was, a, there was a little bit of that going on for sure. But so, so you were about to go to Canada, and then um, I, I read her, she declined really quickly. And then, uh, that's right, yeah. Like in a matter of, like, weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, well, months, but yeah, right. faster than expected. Um, so uh, it's, a, it's a terrible thing, right? It's, a, it's very unfair. Um, but life's like that sometimes. I know. There's one more thing I wanted to ask about with this. Sure. So she did, She. Um, I read somewhere, she, she recorded a DVD for each of you three boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, a, like, it's like the phone box. It sort of ages yeah, yeah. this conversation yeah, 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 somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, a, a DVD, what's on the DVD? Like a, a apparently, apparently it's a message to my future partner. So I've, I've heard that DVDs don't keep that well, so I better find, <laughs> find someone relatively soon. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think the, the DVDs keep well, but finding a player will be the difficult thing. So, you're, like, just a partner you're seeing or the person you're going to marry? Oh, I think it's got to be a bit more serious. <laughs> right. right. So you're not just whipping it out <laughs> on the be, first date. No, 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 no. The whole thing would be worn out. But right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched it, so. <laughs> so, but you, um, have your brothers seen theirs? I assume so. But I, yeah, is, is it not? A, it's not a conversation you've had. Uh, no, well, I don't want to. Don't want a spoiler alert. So. Have you not watched it because, uh, like, it's too hard to watch? Or 
I, I, I mean, if I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself, um, I'm probably projecting here, but if it was me, I'd want to watch you, it you know, straight, sneaky, straight away. Peek. I think it was it was designed for a specific purpose, and I think it would be wrong to, to not use it for that purpose. So. so your brothers haven't told you what, what their message is? Well, no, because then I have a spoiler. But it's obviously like a personalised message where she obviously... Uh, I'm, I'm well, imagining I don't, I don't, don't know anything about it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. And if I find out anything, I ruin that. So it's only only used for the actual purpose. Right, but I'm, I'm imagining it's like an instruction manual, and it's, so it's all very personalised. So it's not it's not three copies of the one, you know, could, the one DVD. Could, but we don't know. That's, one, that's, one the most, that's the most. Yeah, if the DVD's not rooted, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most. Um, Oh, that's the most beautiful thing. And uh, so you you don't like. At what stage did she do this? Like how how close to the uh, end? Well, pretty close. Um, so it would have been in her final months. Yeah. I reckon you just get you can't watch it because it's too hard. Um, Is that part well, of it? Maybe maybe it's too hard to watch alone. So you know. <sighs> so she never got to see you as a politician or. Well, no, and she she thought I was wasting my time with acting. She's probably she's probably right at the time. Wasting your time with politics. She wanted me to be an engineer, right? You know, a good, respectable, scientific based career, um, and been in a way, she's probably right. But um, no, she she I mean, she didn't think act was rescuable. <laughs> Who was it? Rodney Hyde then, or no? Is it way way? Well, she he, yeah, Rodney would have been the leader when she died, rocking around um, in the yellow jacket. Yeah, yeah. So she, I, I don't think I think. I think if she was alive now, she would be pleased that it's, I managed, I've managed to resurrect it beyond what seemed possible then. Mm. Uh, but at that time, she was pretty dark on the whole process, it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what was her sort of um, political leanings? Um, I think she'd be on the right, um, possibly an ACT voter. Um, I think her values aligned with ACT, whether she would have probably indicates whether ACT had reached its full potential at that point. Mm. Um, I would say that, um, you know, now someone like her, whose fundamental story is about making a difference despite the odds, uh, you, you know, not making excuses but taking initiative, I think I think she would be an ACT voter now. Mm. I can understand, you know, in that, in that period she might not have been because, hey, I mean, 99% of the country weren't. Yeah. <laughs> So, and and before um, before she passed, she she had a, a sister and um, another friend, and uh, yeah. she sort of recruited them and basically said, "Yeah, make sure you you, know, you look after my three boys, even though you're all essentially men at that point." Well, yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, you think about a nineteen-year-old. Um, you yeah, still had a lot of growing up. Yeah, at one point they're quite happy to send them off to fight in foreign countries, but now they require a bit more cotton wool. So that's the, that's the, that's the state of nineteen-year-olds. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I look at the element of truth in that, and and both um, Nicola and and Penny have who have been have really uh, followed that through. So we're really lucky to have them in our lives, all three of us. Mm, so one of them's her sister. Who was the the other woman? The other one's her best friend at high right. school. Man, that's so nice. And and uh, that. Yeah, they've kept their promise with all three of you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's. I think they have, and that's. It's quite a sweet thing, and it certainly. Um, you know, a lot of people really appreciated that, um, including they. They came, and they told me later they they came to the first um, episode of Dancing with the Stars. They were in the audience live, and they said they were they were they came because they wanted to be there when I got voted off. <laughs> 
So I was in the was, like, we better go and see so, my week one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came to week one. <laughs> and they, so, I mean, but this is, so there's, it's good that they want to be supportive. It's, oh, I got that, zero confidence in no, me, but at least, like they, they, at least they want to be supportive. Sounds like they're just, they're just realistic. So, so, yeah, so, so what, what does that relationship look like? They just, they text once in a while and just to, mm. I mean, I suppose you don't really need them now, but it's. Well, they, they're good. I mean, I, I'm very bad at cooking. I mean, my, my, my KPI for cooking is not killing anyone. And um, <laughs> so they, they sometimes give me food, which is good. Um, and, 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 and have me over for dinner, yeah. which is, is really nice of yeah. them too. So I sometimes invite them over, but they always say, oh, no, no, just come to me. I say, okay, well, it's fine. I'm possibly mm. from last time. <laughs> yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So when um like when do you when do you miss your mum the most these days? Is it things like um election night and uh, I, I, when the when the the right to die bill came through, which was like your sort of child? Is it is yeah. it occasions like that? What is it? Um, well, it's a shame that that she didn't get to see that. Um, you, you know what I was cho- choosing to do that she didn't support worked out better than she thought. So that's a real shame. And some of those events, you, you know, are probably good good examples. Yeah. Um, but I I think it's more just that you don't have someone to talk to, and, and I think everyone that loses someone thinks this. You know, it'd be nice to have. Uh, a person to talk to about whatever um, at, at different times, and they're not particularly, you know, special times. They're just any kinds of time that things yeah, are happening. You yeah. wish you could talk to someone, so or a particular person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks for being so open about that. Mm. No, oh, okay. oh, one thing. Um, one thing I have looked. Um, in your past life, you were a t- like a telephone counselor for Kids Line or Youth Line or something. Yeah. When was this? Like a university job or? No, 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 no. So Kids Line was. It was an amazing service. They started it back in 88. And the concept was that they would take callers who were sort of 7 to 13 um, and then they would train up people they call buddies, so technically not counsellors, but buddies who were 6th and 7th formers, which translates to year 12 or 13. So they'd take about 80 buddies out of high schools nearby um, and um, then they'd take us away on camps and do training and, you know, words that connect and how to ask open question versus closed questions. And, and basically you'd, you'd go and do a shift for two hours after school and there'd be maybe half a dozen, and, you know, half a dozen phones. And, um, pay, kid, job, pay job or volunteer? A volunteer, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and kids, would, kids would ring up and say, you know, I'm being bullied. And you'd say, OK, well, and then you'd sort of have a strategy of letting them talk about it and then suggesting, like, who's your favourite, what's your favourite? 
favourite subject because your favourite subject is usually your favourite teacher who you're most likely to talk to and try and get them to rehearse a conversation and go through and you know find support or you know rationalise their problem or whatever. Um, so it was a it was a really neat thing because the people that did it as volunteers were, were fantastic and um, quite a few of them remain really close friends. I was mm. talking to one this morning actually. Um, and um, the other part of it was that um, it um, gave a lot of skills. And the funny thing about... To you, to you personally? Y- yeah, and yeah, the funny yeah. thing is um, politicians are known for talking, <laughs> but if you actually think about the job of being a representative, so in Epsom I, I represent about 70,000 people and there's one of me, so really you should be doing 70,000 times more listening than talking. Mm. Um, now, obviously that's not possible but um you, you know the the um you, you'd need what 20 years for every one day of talking but putting that aside you know <laughs> but, but putting but putting that aside um, you, you, how long have you been in politics you would have yet to have your first talking day, I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to say anything people would be like well we keep telling him stuff but we have no idea <laughs> well, like Seymour was a shit podcast he <laughs> yeah. didn't even speak <laughs> yeah exactly. just listened yeah but, you know, <laughs> um but um but, but in any case, um, you, you know, we, we – um, so those, those, were, those were actually really useful mm. skills. Um, so so it, was, it was a very cool charity. And, you know, the real tragedy of it, when I, um, when I did Dancing with the Stars, I, I actually gave all the fees and money raised by the techs and all that. I gave all that to, to, to Kids Line. And then a year later it wound up. And part of the problem – The funny thing is it's probably never been needed more than now. Yeah, and, and, you know, it goes back to the thing we were saying a bit earlier. Part of the reason was that under health and safety rules, they felt it was unfair to expose young people to other young people's problems because they might not be able to handle it. And and, and so that's, that's <sighs> part of the – I mean, it's not – there were various issues. A big issue was that <laughs> – a big issue was texting, so kids didn't want to talk on the phone, right, which right. kind of screwed the whole thing. But, but part of the issue was that they couldn't actually get the, the sixth and seventh formers to, to be the counsellors um, because it, they had a duty of care to keep them safe. Mm. So it's okay that kids who are 10 are so screwed up they don't know what to say or who to call or who to talk to, but um, our laws and our regulations are so crazy now that, that you couldn't. it's actually illegal for kids to help other kids. Insane. That is dumb. How how is it different to um, like the school system where you have a seventh former that gets paired up with like a third former or whatever, you know, like mm. some sort of school buddy system? Well, um, in, that, in that instance, mm. the, I mean, each yeah. each yeah anyway yeah each boss has got to make their own decision. Mm. In that case, the principal would have to decide if they were you know, yeah. being a good person conducting a business undertaking. But anyway, um, so so, <laughs> so so you 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 did that. Do you find it ironic now that you're in one of the one of the one of the work environments that's most rife with bullying around? Um, uh, uh, Politics—it's a nasty business, eh? It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, um, but it just is. Yeah, I—I I don't really understand it. Um, the way that it works is that um, we get, uh, you know, a, a good group of people. We create a good environment where good people want to work, and then we make them happy working there. If you try and make it a good place to be, good people come. People have good ideas, and then it just sort of happens organically. Mm. So, and that's why I say, I, you know, you say it's a place of terrible bullying. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, no. Mm. I, I suppose I was meaning rather than behind the scenes, more mm. politician to politician. Like, yeah. I think of Winston Peters. Like he's, um, he's, 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 he's said some terribly nasty things about you and others over the years. One that stands, springs to mind is um, you know, him uh, criticising Simon Bridges in the way he said China, yeah. like, uh, which is basically a, a speech impediment, right? Mm. That Vince is a temporary leader. Tell us about 
I will tell you about, I'll tell you about China, but not China. China, yes, I'm becoming an expert on China, but China, I don't know anything about that country. Yeah, but then I just, I just look at the numbers and, you know, there's, there's no politician in New Zealand that has uh, a more negative image. Um, and the, the polling is, you know, I mean, shit, if I yeah. had those numbers, I'd, I'd get another job. <laughs> okay, so the um, the viral stuff, I want to know about this, whether it's like um, calculated or like legit sort of gaffes, as they get called in the media. So first of all, you mentioned the cock thing before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was when John Key was looking at changing the flag yep. and the call was to have the, the fern on there. And yeah, 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 you, yeah. can you remember what you said? Well, yeah, because they... I was a, I'm a, was and remain a, a red peaker. I mean, we should have had red peak as our flag. It was much better design. <laughs> well, I thought the Kiwi with the laser eyes. Well, okay, you're like, re- <laughs> yes, ideally that one. But if we couldn't have that one, then it, it would have to be okay. um, red peak. And, um, you know, but I also was doing the thing, which I think is a bit naff, but a lot of politicians used to do it, where they have the silver fern on their lapel. Mm-hmm. So then some journal asked me, well, you know, how can you support Red Peak? You clearly like the silver fern because you're wearing one. And I said, yeah, well, look, the French love the cock, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean they've got a rooster on their flag. Um, and um, and then I I'd actually I actually had a series of them because I, I thought this argument might happen. I said, look, you know, the, Irish, the British don't have a – or the English don't have a rose, the Irish don't have a harp, you know. You don't actually have to have every single logo on your flag. Um, that's all I was trying to say, but of course – Come on, you knew what you were doing, no, right? No, no. You, that was no, intentional. To- totally innocent. Really? I totally innocent. I didn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare say such a profane thing Actually, the, to, well, to the, half a dozen journalists waiting with microphones. I mean, yeah, the, the, the soundbite that was used in the media, which is like 10 seconds or whatever, um, that, that doesn't paint the full picture. But on YouTube, you can watch the whole thing afterwards. And you, you do struggle to compose yourself after that, which made me think, okay, benefit of the doubt, it was accidental. <laughs> but then, too good to be true. No, because look, you don't actually have to have every national logo uh, on your flag. The French, for instance, love the cock. Um, they don't. <laughs> All right, let's just start that again. And they don't. Well, they do not have. <laughs> look, the, the English have the rose. That's not on their flag. Uh, the Irish, <laughs> I love that. It's called a rooster. Yeah, but I mean, are you being completely honest? Uh, of course, I'm a politician. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, look, it it, it happened, right? Okay. Then um, there, there, so there was another one. You were interviewed one summer years and years ago by um, a staff reporter, and she asked what you did over summer, and you said Netflix and chill, oh, knowing yeah. knowing full well that it was a reference to casual sex. And lastly, what's your summer must read, must listen, or must watch? Yeah, oh, you know, fuck, I can't. I just say, just say Netflix and chill. <laughs> That. <laughs> yeah, because most people have no idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, but that was, that was intentional, right? What were you, well, what, well, were you but, trolling uh, people? Well, uh, it was, but she, well, she was. Uh, it was a pretty boring interview, and she was asking, "What do you, you know?" <laughs> good old Joe Moyer. She's a good journo, actually. But um, 
she, just um, boring this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, in that interview she was. But um, she said, you know, she asked all these, what do you do for your summer? And I'm like, you know, to, to be honest, everyone, everyone wants to know all these questions about Paul. What do you do for your summer? I was like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, if you go and get a mechanic, you just want them to fix their car. You're not like, oh, do you like boogie boarding? I was like, well, who cares, you know? But if you're a politician, you have to tell, it, tell them that too. So, and she's like, oh, what would you do? And I said, oh, look, just, just say Netflix and chill. Um, <laughs> but I didn't realise she, she 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 was recording it and she she put the audio on. Um, so um, what can you say? <laughs> but um, but you you know what you're doing. You like if, I reckon you know what you're doing. It's calculated. Yeah, there's a degree of calculation to it. Surely, um, I think there's a there's a degree of. Sometimes you just got to have a bit of fun. Yeah, you know? <laughs> is that what you what happened with the Miley? There was a Miley Cyrus thing as well. Like you were asked in an interview, someone you really admire, and I suppose people were expecting you to say, I don't, I don't know, like Obama or Churchill or someone, but you said Miley Cyrus, and then went into a like a big explanation about the, the, what she's been through and how she is as a performer. And I think that Miley Cyrus uh, is someone I can admire because she's good at her job. I mean, her job is to get out, uh, get publicity, and most importantly, sell records. Uh, and she's smashed so many um, records or broken so many records at selling records uh, at such a young age. I think you've got to admire someone on top of their game like that. But I did actually walk into a Miley Cyrus party while I was door knocking. <laughs> What's was, a Miley Cyrus party? Well... I don't really know, to be honest, but they were all dressed as her. Um, what, what phase Miley were they dressed as? I don't Well, this was about 2015. Not the wrecking ball phase, right, when she was I naked? Think, I think the, she yeah. was into the wrecking ball. Well, yeah, no, they weren't naked. Mm. Well, not, well, not much. But, um, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, not, not really sure, to be honest. This may have been pre all these things. An awkward series of like Facebook videos where um, you, you started each of them by saying hi. Your hi was exactly the same in all of them. Hi. 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 I'm David Seymour. And if you live in Epsom, Mount Eden, Parnell, or Rimwera, I'd like to be your MP. So I think it's only fair I should introduce myself. Same inflection, oh, no, same delivery, no, no, same... No, 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 that was all... That was all... In, that, this was... We didn't know what we were doing. So what happened was... This is when I first started standing. It was all one video. Uh, and when I first started standing in 2014... Um, oh, wait, it was all one video. It wasn't like a, oh, yeah, a montage. Yeah. But in 2017 election, our campaign team took it off, off YouTube, so it's hard to get a copy now. But So I had a mate in Canada who was running for the Conservative Party up there, and I saw he had made a video of, you know, this is who I am and what I do. So I thought, I should make a video like that. So I got this guy who actually had trained as part of a Soviet film unit and someone else is a fairly well-known comedian who may or may not have been taking the piss out of me but between them they, they wanted me to do this hi 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 I'm David Seymour and if you live in Epsom, Maldeden, Parnell or Rimwera I'd like to be your MP so I thought I should introduce myself anyway so we, we made this video and the the, 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 the the editing was just out there man like it was like sort of Soviet avant-garde type, you know, crazy, like, you know, communist art. Um, and then the comedian's sort of take on it was was pretty amazing. And the thing got like 50,000 views. Um, in fact, I thought the first thing I realised it was going viral, someone sent me a text saying, um, it doesn't matter what, we still love you and support you. 
Um, and I thought, what the fuck have you been drinking? <laughs> so anyway, then I found out this thing was going absolutely nuts. And, you know, 50,000 views on YouTube in 2014, because there's inflation is everywhere, including on the internet. So those were huge numbers back yeah. then in New Zealand. Uh, so it was pretty, but it was actually a fantastic thing because it wasn't intended to be funny, it just was. Um, and, of course, it got me huge exposure because the, the, the tweeting classes, the you know, journalists and politics all saw this and thought it was all hilarious, ah, the latest act thing. Um, so they all came and spent time with me campaigning in Epsom. So I just you couldn't have dreamed of it mm. better, but none of it was intentional. So are you, are you sort of from the school that, um, like, any publicity is good publicity? Like, it's better that people are talking about you than not no, in terms of these I things? I think of a few politicians that have disproven that theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, well, look, the way I look at it, some of the best advice I ever got was from a comms guy in Canada when I worked up there, and um, he said, he said, look, you know, because of the internet, you can't pretend anymore because the information, the cycle is so short, the information travels so fast that, um, you, you know, you will be found out. So just be authentic. Mm. I have a terrible memory, so I don't pretend to do anything. I don't tell any lies because if you tell lies, you've got to remember what you said. Mm. Well, that's probably a good time to move on to Dancing with the Stars. Oh, always a good time. Do you, um, you regret that or no? No regrets. Oh, is that another thing like these the viral greatest. clips that was good? Look, An example of any publicity to a degree is good publicity. Let me just start. I just say one thing that um, that I think is probably um, like if I could just tell you one thing I've learned from nearly nine years in Parliament that you wouldn't have thought is that none of it is as orchestrated or complicated or clever as people think. Like people think there must be amazing people like pulling the strings and it's all part of some grand plan. And you get these people saying, oh, you know, the World Economic Forum are controlling everybody. And I'm like, look, mate, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is the government's not capable of participating in a global conspiracy. <laughs> the bad news is they're not very good at health education or, or building roads either. Um, so, you know, most of it is is just people winging it. And you go, it's true. And, and this is what life is like. I mean... You know, when you're a kid, you think your parents are amazing, and then you start to get a few doubts, and then you think, oh, at least your teachers know what you're talking about. And if you've ever gone back and met one of your teachers, some of them are very impressive, but some of them are like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah you were in yeah, charge yeah. of my learning for a whole year. It's amazing I got here. Um, and then you, you think, oh, well, people, politicians in Parliament, well, they must know what they're doing. I mean, look how much they get paid, and they're in charge, and they vote, and they go on TV. I mean, they must know what they're doing. Uh, and then you get there and you're like, far out. I'm just glad we still have running water. Um, you know? But then you think, oh, well, the ministers, the most senior ones, they must know. But no. And then um, I used to think that, that the prime minister, but then Jacinda became the prime minister. I thought, far out, you just need to be good at Instagram. So, you know, and this is and it's the same with the, with the media. I mean, you think, oh, these must be really intelligent people, committed to the truth, really great at processing information. And, and actually, most of them, are just kids that like to gossip at high school and now they do it for a, for a living. Um, so, you know, that, that's your reality. Um, and, um, you know, I, the reason I, I give you that prelude, I just, I do actually think it's, it's interesting that we put far too much trust in government and we, we think that it's more clever than it could possibly be. And I understand why people think that, but, you know, if you've ever had a doubt that your parents or your teachers or anyone else knew everything, maybe apply that to politicians too. The second thing is to actually answer your question about Dancing with the Stars. Well, uh, it was as simple as it was November 2018. I'd just become 
the lowest polling act leader in history, which is pretty fucking good effort. Like, I mean, you know, was, the act was good at low polling at that point. Is that, um, is that devastating for you? At that point, you're thinking, shit, I'm done with politics. Well, I, you, you think you're pretty rooted, whatever happens. And then yeah. you just think, well, okay. So how often in your life, just for, for most people, what are the chances that you'd actually get invited to be in a live, televised, dancing contest? Like, that doesn't happen most of the time in most people's lives. But it, it did happen to me. So you'd have to be hell of an arrogant to, to turn that down. And I thought, this is great. It'd be wildly exciting. You, you, know, knew, you knew you'd be... Eliminated on the first round. Right, but, right. But as it turned out... You finished we, fifth. Well, yeah, went through nine rounds. But I feel, I feel like there was a... Like a you know, vote for the worst or vote for the entertainment value sort of thing. You must well, you must know you weren't you weren't great. I was the worst dancer probably <laughs> not just not just in that season and not just in New Zealand but probably if there was an all star dancing with the stars yeah like global you know like I mean it's been going since 1994 yeah. and I, I was probably the worst ever but um, you, you, you know nevertheless the other thing I learned pretty quickly is that it wasn't about dancing. Um, of course not. You know, because they say because they say they say uh, you know it's a combination of uh, of your of your texts and the judges' scores, but they never tell you quite how they add them together. And being a electrical engineer, I actually asked. I said, "So just out of interest, I'd be really keen to see the the, the mathematical formula." Yeah, I feel and, like there's a lot of producers' discretion. Uh, uh, yeah, they just tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You'll be fine." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." So. Um, so then I realised that really it was about the numbers, but it was about the ratings, and we, we needed to make sure that we were compelling enough for people to keep watching. And and people did keep watching, and people did keep texting in for us, and we did, you know, and you can see the amount of money we raised, we got a lot of texts. Um, but the reason for all that was simply that, um, you, you know, we were uh, taking on challenges that everyone faced and, and doing it pretty well. You, I mean, you saw How do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you saw the worst answer. But I, I still learnt all my steps, and I actually did do all my steps mm. right. They're just not really with the kind of style. Just flow or rhythm. Or timing. Yeah, right, but, yeah right. but I did actually learn and do each step. Um, and we got bagged a lot, and we basically <laughs> said to people, well, actually, we're doing our best. We've got a right to be here. What's your problem? Mm. And I think for people that are being bullied... You got bag- bagged a lot by like um, everyone. Re- reviewers, social oh, media, the judges. I mean, but, I mean Steve Braunius wrote about me every week for about two months, the creature from the Act Lagoon. And he, he was campaigning to get me voted off the show. And once he realised he'd lost that one, he started campaigning for me to win, to destroy the show forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, is that a bit mean, that feels a little, the creature from the Act Lagoon? Is that, a bit, is that clever or is funny or mean-spirited? I, I think that's a bit demeaning, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so we faced all that. But as we said to people, look, this is, you know, the people are being bullied in a variety of contexts, you know, at their work and their, and their school, or what, when their friendships or what, their relationship, whatever. Uh, we said to all these people, um, actually, you know what, we get that too and we just carry, dust ourselves off and carry on because everyone's got a right to, to be them and to do their mm. best. And I think that's what it was really about. It was about character and adversity. So once we figured that out, it was actually quite well, – the dancing was still hard, but the rest of it was pretty mm. easy. Uh, and I was just lucky. I had an amazing partner. Yeah, um, Amelia. Amelia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to a she, wedding. Oh, are you? Uh, next are month. You? Uh, still yeah. in touch. 
Absolutely, she, she invited me to her wedding. So yeah. she must have been like when the dancers find out who they appeared with, and you do the first she, pro- oh, promo. She must well, be like she, for fuck's sake. She told me that. Yeah. Well, it sort of helped because she, it helped her get time off work because her boss didn't think she'd be gone. What very is she? Long. She's a teacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, no. She um, apparently all the dancers were like, "Look, we hope we don't get that guy." Um, <laughs> but as it because trans- they, they get paid week by week, so they obviously want to be paired with a dancer uh, that's going to go. Unless they got me, then they just didn't care about the pay anyway. <laughs> wanted to get voted off, but no. But as it turned out, it became a very uh, powerful um, alliance, and she was the only person, I think. I mean, there's a lot of good pro dancers there, uh, but she was the only one with the strength and conviction to make that work. So it was lucky. I, we were both lucky in that sense, and, and it worked we're, out really well. Was she frustrated with you early on? You've obviously got a real close friendship now, and it ended up pretty well finishing fifth, but early oh. on... Yeah, um, I mean... Um, I'm guessing you wouldn't have been as available as some of the other people. It's like my, my ex-wife yeah. JJ did, and my yeah. ex-co-host um, Clint Randall, he, he, yeah. he did, and they were, they were dancing like seven or eight hours a day. Yeah, what I a mean... crazy time, time. When I When I... In, in my season, um, the, the only... Only me, Chris Harry... Harry, Chris... Um, Harris, yeah. Harris, yeah. who's a legend, really. Um, but Harry, um, he actually had a job, um, and, and I obviously had a job. Um, but most people, no disrespect to radio host, you know, they they had you know three hours on air and some prep, but they they weren't have, have maybe five days a week, but they they weren't doing you know a job that's often twenty four seven and fitting in their practices. So so that's you know okay, that yeah, was a bit of a, yeah. bit of a stab to yeah, my well, 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 yeah 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 yeah. But I mean, you know, so so look, there was um. It was it was well worth doing in the end, and the other thing it did for me is it made me really positive about New Zealand because, um, you know, people say there's tall poppy, and I think there is a dark underbelly to this country, but we also showed that if you just broke through the barrier, if you be yourself and back yourself, then actually people do want that and they will back you, mm. and, and that was pretty cool. It, it, it really changed my view of New Zealand for the better. Yeah. Do you think tall poppy is still a big issue here? Totally. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's the biggest problem we face. Mm. Like, it's terrible. Is it just is it just a Kiwi thing or an Australasian thing or is it a universal thing? Oh, Aussies are totally different. You know, I mean, the, the Aussie. I mean, there's a lot of things I dislike about the and, and obviously. And I just just before I say this, I say look, there's there's a wide there's some complete asshole Kiwis and there's some wonderful Aussies and vice versa. But mm-hmm. if you just take the sort of average stereotype, there's there's some things to, to really dislike about. The Australian version of that. I mean, the attitude to race, for instance, is just is twenty yeah. years behind us at any yeah. given time. Uh, however, um, there's also some wonderful things about the Australians that they're, they're positive, they're competitive, they they believe in, in that you can make a difference in your own life, um, and that's I think part of the reason that they're dramatically wealthier. Um, there's other reasons too, but but I think that attitude does actually help. So, um, and you see it when New Zealanders try and do business over there. You know, it's bloody difficult. I mean, Michael mm. Hill's done it. Good on him, legend. Most people that have tried to succeed in business in Australia have, have failed. Yeah, the warehouse failed quite drastically, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the twerking thing, who's on Dancing with the Stars? Who's idea? Was that Amelia's idea? Was that your idea? You twerked. You wore like a fluoro outfit and you twerked. It got turned into a gif. Uh, went viral. It's probably on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, a memorable TV moment. Well, I think I think the show tried to set us up that week. Um because the song that we had uh, was actually, um, you know, they gave us pretty gross outlet outfits and the, the, the uh, spandex and all that. And the song was I Just Want to Make You Wet. They redid it as Sweat. 
but um, Amelia was really pissed off. So we thought we we're just going to go hundies here. She was pissed <laughs> off. Why? Because of the song choice. Because or? Of song. Well, right. it's pretty. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of women would be offended by by being made to you know publicly dance to that song, um, and um, then. Um, you, you know that was so that was a that was a, a problem, and our solution was to go hundies and overcome it. And it's also don't be susceptible to flattery, because um, for the first and last time in my life, uh, some of the women on the show said, "You've got a great butt." Never happened before or since. It was entirely designed to flatter me into doing it. And, uh, so, but I took the bait, and it was probably the one time because remember, I had to I had to do enough to make it um, kind of appealing. Um, but but and keep us in the ratings and keep us in the order, in the show, but also not do so much that so I ruin my chance of having a future political career. <laughs> mm. Well, um, it's like we were talking about before yeah. to a point where no publicity is bad publicity. It probably yeah. uh, did you a lot of good, really. That was probably the one time that maybe just went further than I really needed to. And um, you regret the, it. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I wouldn't say I regret it. I'd say that's a bit strong. I'd say in a perfect world, we probably would have pulled back from that. Um, but, you know, we got it right most weeks. And, you, you know, you get get a few mistakes on the big jobs. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, they, you know, the TV news would run that every time there was a story about me they'd, they'd, <laughs> for, like, for like two years. Um, and it, it probably took a while to overcome it. Um, it was probably, um, yeah, funnily enough, Rodney Hyde, who was also an act party leader? Didn't he drop his dance partner? Yeah, that was the clip they used. Poor for years and Crystal. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't do any lifts with Amelia, and I, I think she's probably appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> so were you guys? Um, were you guys seeing each other for a time, or am I making no, this up? You weren't no, seeing each other. No, no. A lot of lot of people have rumoured that, but um, right. And you can understand. Didn't you have a holiday? Oh, I thought you went to Fiji or something afterwards. Uh, oh well, yeah, we, we we did go away, but separate I mean, bureaus. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I call people easily. I think if you haven't danced then people say, ooh, but actually it's just you have to be close, not just physically but emotionally because it's, it's, it's you two against the world. Mm. Um, so for like three months you, you sort of fight the world together um, and most of the time the distance between you is about five millimetres. Mm. Um, so you can understand. If you've never done it, you'd be like, ooh, wow. But, of course, um, you know, if you have danced, you know that it's just part of the game. If, you, if you're in a relationship, you'd have to have a very trusting partner, wouldn't you, at home? Because it could be I – mean, that, that, that'd be hard. Like, imagine you're married and your, your wife, your hypothetical wife's got a friend saying, oh, God, what about David and uh, – Yeah. You know, it'd have to be very, very tough, I think, for um, your married couples. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Oh, no. I don't know. Oh, I guess it's been... Was, was there sexual chemistry with you guys like early on and then that sort of evaporates when you get to know each other and... Um, like it's, it is very intimate. Like the, you, know, you, meet, you meet someone and you're, you're training and you're in each other's faces. No, was, because... Was there ever cause, cause she'd, she'd, she'd been doing it her whole... I mean, yeah. she started... Down, I mean, all those guys that are good, like Amelia, and, and, and the other thing I loved about it was watching people like her because they used to do dances for display that were just the professionals. And when you watch how they dance, like it's it's amazing. Mm. So so they, and they learn a routine so yeah, quickly as yeah. well. Oh yeah, because it's all just for them. It's just a bunch of modules that they've got down pat, mm. right? So so they've all been doing it since they're six. So to them, it's just business as usual. Um, for me, I was like, whoa, <laughs> you yeah, how close? Um, but I, I got used to that fairly quickly. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it, it. It honestly is just that the weirdness of dance. Okay, so you turned forty this year. 
Yeah, well, yeah. no, I'm. I, do, I refuse to acknowledge that. No, I do. Yeah, <laughs> middle of this year. And you've been um, you've been the act leader for five years now. Um, how's the next oh, ten oh years? Oh God, no, 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 longer than that. So I, I, since I was thirty-one. Oh, so like nine years. Yeah, yeah. eight and a half, nine years. What are your um, absolute goals in politics? Like, what are your aspirations? You want to be ideally have a Winston situation and end up like deputy prime minister this election? What's definitely not because. Um, you know, the, the first thing you say is what, what, what position or what title do you want? I, I'm not interested in a position or title. I mean, anyone that thinks being like a big wig in the government of New Zealand is just delusional. And I think part of the reason I think that is, you know, I lived in North America. I lived in Canada for five years. There's like 60 states and provinces that are around the same size, sometimes much bigger than New Zealand. Mm. And they all have a government. And like, if you meet someone and you're like, yeah, I'm like from the government of Colorado, I'm really cool, you'd just be like, no, you're not, you're a dickhead. Well, you know, New Zealand, I mean, Colorado's got 5 million people, New Zealand's yeah, got 5 yeah, million yeah, people, yeah. you're still a dickhead, right? So it's not about that. Um, but but I, the doors that it could open afterwards from holding one of those high positions? Maybe, but I just, I mean, I don't know. I haven't had a political career and tried to find a job, but, um, or yet, but um, you, you, you know, I, I guess... Um, you know, if someone's hiring you for your name or your title, what are you going to do? The, the best advice, um, no, I've talked to people about, you know, what what have you do if you leave politics? Because eventually I will, I'm, I'm not a lifer. And they said, look, the best advice I got from a chief executive of a big firm, he said, look, you've got to make sure you're in the scrum, uh, you know, actually doing some work. Don't don't waltz on because you've got a title on you. I mean, so I don't believe in that. I believe in being in the scrum. Um, the second thing is, so, so, so that's not the answer to your question. Let me tell you what is. A um, couple of things I want. Uh, one is I want to turn ACT into a going concern. And by I mean a party bigger than me that will outlast me so I can retire and go home, cast my vote and vote for a party that believes in personal freedom, uh, that believes in free markets and free minds. I, I'm a capitalist. But I'm also tolerant. I'm not interested in having the government, you know, chase around pregnant women trying to stop them having abortions. I'm, I'm not interested in a government that tries to regulate what you can say. I'm not interested in a government that tries to impose one person's values on another. That's all crap in my mind. But I'm also not interested in a government that tries to regulate and take all your money because I, I've seen how politicians use your money and I think they should have a lot less. Um, now, you know, it's very rare that there's a party like that but I want, to, I want to turn, well, ACT is that party, and I want to make it outlive me so I have someone to vote for the rest of my life. So that's number one. Um, number two, uh, before my own time comes, and, and it will, I mean, you know, unless you're Saddam Hussein, well, actually, even he's you know, sticky in, but... Your time will come by your own choosing, or...? Uh, look, you don't get to choose in politics. Yeah, yeah. Like, you hope so, and some people do, but um, you just don't know what will happen. Um, so... You know, the other thing is, I, there's a few policy things. I think education, probably first and foremost. I don't think that we are transferring enough knowledge from one generation to the next to maintain first world status. I mean, kids coming out of school now, and this is, you know, measured objectively, know and can do far less in reading and writing and maths and science than kids coming out of school in the year 2000. I mean, how everything is, we're used to everything getting better, and this is really not good. And I talk to people who, you know, just had kids, think about they're going to go to school, kids, people who've got kids at school, grandparents, basically anyone is, who's vaguely related to a kid at school is really worried, and so are a lot of teachers. So we've got to get our respect back for the teaching profession. And I think without going to a policy debate, I mean, 
basically government needs to start saying these are the non-negotiables that kids need to achieve and then stop all the bureaucracy and the meddling and say that we're actually going to have respect for teachers and principals and give them the flexibility to go and achieve it. That's in a nutshell what needs to happen and, and that's hard because you're up against a big bureaucracy who will try and outwit and outsmart you. But that's that's roughly what we did with charter schools yeah. and I see more of that theme and I think it's, it, it's the most important thing we can do for what, 30 years' time. So New Zealand in 2053, what's the thing this year that we'll wish we did? And that is make sure that we have the most educated population because then every other problem we face, and who knows what the problems will be in 2053, people are well educated, we can deal with it. So that's education, well, that's a big thing. I think also um, I think we have to have a, another mini-revolution around the way that we make laws and regulate. You know, too many people spend too much time waiting for permission to be able to do stuff. I met a young person recently. She's a dentist. She's starting her own clinic. She's learning about business. She's hiring people. She's working out, you know, who to hire, who to trust, how it all works. But the problems that she's had, even just... um, getting permission to remove a chimney from the, you know, because this brick <laughs> chimney is like New Zealand's history. Like, if this goes, we won't know who we are anymore. And it's just bullshit, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah. Um, it's, and, it's, it's like when, when you go to Europe and you see churches over there and you're like, oh, the cathedral in Christchurch isn't even that old. I mean, they must come down here and uh, think, you preserve uh, that shit? <laughs> like, really? Like, I mean, that's not even like, you know, but uh, I mean... You know, it's not just historic places and stuff, yeah, and that, yeah, that's yeah, an yeah. issue. But um, it's, it's people like you're trying to get financial advice. You know, the poorest people can't get financial advice because to be a financial advisor, you've got to jump through so many hoops. So, what's worse, poor people getting occasionally dodgy financial advice, or poor people having no rung on that ladder mm. to a better financial yeah. future? And I give you examples of I mean, building houses, you know, getting financial advice, running schools, running daycares. I mean, you, everyone is tied up. And rules and regulations, and it's not making us wealthier. It's it's keeping a lot of people in jobs, enforcing all this crap, but it's holding us back. And mm. uh, I, so I'm quite keen to to do some some serious change, right down at the ground level of 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 how government makes rules and regulations. Because yeah. right now, every politician just says, "When in doubt, make a rule. You're off scot free." Politicians need to be held accountable for making bad rules, and that's that's another policy topic we yeah. won't go further into but yeah. Jeez, I, I just looked at the clock we've been going for an hour and a quarter I, I told your press uh, person that would be an hour are you, are you okay for time yeah 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 okay. no no I, it's Friday afternoon um, and we, we can't lose another Prime Minister this week so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> What's your relationship like with alcohol at the moment? Um, there, there's another clip that went, sort of went a little bit viral of you on election night last time. Oh, and champagne you, on election night. You, um, it was the, the biggest night ever for ACT, so you yeah. you did have cause to celebrate, but you seemed a little uh, tipsy and slurry, um, and it came out afterwards that you'd been alcohol-free for a couple of years or something, and uh, you had two champagnes and they went to your head. I want to... I want to... I want to thank in addition to my Epsom neighbours and those New Zealanders who party voted acts from Kaipurayanga to the Bluff, I want to also thank our 55 candidates up and down New Zealand. I want to thank all of those people who make our democracy. What happened was, because um, I 
we thought about how we're going to do this night. We'll make an entrance. So I called <laughs> a very good mate of mine, funnily enough, someone from Kids Line, who's got a boat, and I run about and I said, "What do you reckon? Is it possible that we could actually drive to the HQ, Leo Malloy's bar, um, in your boat?" And this is like two weeks out from actually. He's like, "Don't worry about it. I'll make it happen. See you there." Um, so it's good to have friends like that. And uh, so he, he sorted it out. I met them there, um, and then a couple of other mates. Um, and then we started driving. But actually, you, you've got to go around such a long way to get to the viaduct. Which <laughs> to get I didn't to the really. jetty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And Fletch is a great guy. But, you know, a few years back he did a skipper's licence, and he's just so anal about this. So he's like, no, no, five knots within 200 metres of the shore. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. So we're going... And I'm like... like, and like it. Yeah, and, like, people are calling. They're like, oh, TV's ready. Like, are you coming? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile... Meanwhile, my good mate Tom, he's in the he's in the back of the boat opening another m- bottle of Moom, and I'm just like, oh shit! So I mean, it took about twenty minutes. We absolutely sozzled by the time we got there. In any case, uh, that that, but I'm not avoiding your, your wider question. Right. Ba- basically, um, there's something Muldoon said: you'll drink more and more um, when you get to this place. And you think about it, um, you go and have lunch, and you think, probably shouldn't have beer, but maybe one. And then, you know, you get to six o'clock, and the bells ring, and you go out, and there's some lobby group or something putting on a function, and it's an open bar. And then the bells ring again, you've got to be back in your office, you're not allowed to leave till 10. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, you've got a fridge, and you think, well, well, you have one more. I mean, it's only Tuesday at 10 o'clock and you've already had five or six beers mm. um, and you, you we haven't had Friday or Saturday yet so you can easily end up <laughs> um, you know having 40 or 50 drinks a week yeah, without yeah, even thinking yeah. about it so I, so I got to that point and the biggest measure of it was um, at my peak I was 86 kgs when I quit drink dancing took off about seven and then and then then I quit drinking and I got down to about 72 I think. So I calculated that my at my peak, my, my body mass was actually 18% Heineken. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, 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 and it was the best thing I ever did. It gave me enormous energy, lost huge amounts of weight, saved a huge amount of money. Because also, not, it's not all free. Mm. Um, and just, I suppose, the extra hours you have in your day, the extra productive yep, hours. Absolutely. You know, you don't spend as much time actually doing the drinking, and then you wake up an hour earlier feeling fresher. So um, it gives you back two hours a day on average. So, so all of that was was just fantastic, um, but then um, you, you know I, I get a lot of abuse from my staff. People are worried about bullying by MPs. I'm I'm worried about bullying of MPs by their staff, and they all started saying I was a robot. Um, so, so um, oh really? Because you weren't drinking. Well, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And I just thought, well, you know, you make the occasional exception. So, so now I maybe drink once or maybe twice a week, but probably more once. Right. Because right. um, you did an interview and you said you had a, like a rule a while ago that um, you only drank if it was a champagne function, which to me, <laughs> to me, reading between the lines, I read is like being polite. So if, if there's a tray of champagnes for a toast, yeah, you'll take one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I probably. But, but, but if you've got this ability to um, regulate your drinking, you like clearly you don't have a drinking problem. Like, no, you can stop. No, and I don't. I don't think I. I did. I, I think I. I think I had a lifestyle where that was sort of normal almost, um, but also. It, it, it's a it, well, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I, I, I was I was comfortably performing my job, but I wasn't reaching my potential. 
And mm. so I quit on the 1st of January 2019. And, uh, you know, by the end of the year, ex-polling was polling for two or three MPs for the first time in a decade. And then the following year in 2020, we got the best result the party had ever had. So I was definitely performing better then. Uh, I mean, I wasn't necessarily performing badly before. I was re-elected and doing my job and showing up and all that. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting question of, you know, is it just affecting your ability to do your job or affecting your ability to reach your potential? Mm. Uh, and But then, uh, you know, some people say I'm a robot. So now I'm in a sort of slightly more... E- uh, a, a, a smoother equilibrium. Yeah, it's strange the the pressure to drink though. Eh? It's got to be the only drug in the world. Yeah, although I got to say, I, I I think it's interesting that the, the drinking culture is just improved. And this is another one of these things. If you look at the amount of binge drinking and the amount of alcohol that people consume in New Zealand, it has been falling off a cliff for forty years. Mm. Even as there's been more advertising, even as there's been more product choice, people are getting more sophisticated and and more thoughtful and and the and the breweries and vintners or whatever are having to sell more interesting products instead of just competing on price and volume. So it's a great example of how in a free society we get to a better place than we're used to. And all these idiots, you know, Alcohol Health Watch, I mean, they're a bunch of Muppets. Um, they don't know anything. Um, you know, but, but they're, they're, and, you know, Chloe Swarbrick's got this bill to ban alcohol advertising, but not from the America's Cup because she's from Auckland Central, which is outrageous. Um, you, you know, it's, a, it's actually a really good example of what happens in a free society. And when I first quit at the start of 2019, I go up to people and, you know, ask if I could have a non-alcoholic beer. And they looked at me like I'd just gone up and said, you know, I'd like to try and learn how to put my own dick in my ear. Um, and, you know, Can you not do that? Oh, well, well um, you know, not on cold days anyway. But, um, <laughs> um, and, uh, but, 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 you know, now... Basically, everywhere you go has a zero alcohol selection. Yeah, yeah. And I was at a supermarket the other day. They've got a whole aisle of um, zero or a whole sort of shelf of, of alcohol-free um, drinks. So I, I just look the way the culture is evolving is fantastic. Yeah, and the, and the zero beers, they, they actually taste quite good now. They've yeah. really sort of like perfected the, the recipe. Oh, yeah. I mean, Heineken Zero is mm. very good. Um, some of the others are a bit syrupy or mm. a bit watery, but, yeah, Heineken mm. Zero is great. And how's your, how's your mental health been over the years? Have, have you been mostly good for you? Um, you know, it's an interesting question, again, because um, I didn't really have a reference frame. And, and some people will be able to relate to this, that they're in such an unusual position. Because, like, you know, how, how should you feel being the you know, first person to enter Parliament by themselves in several decades. Um, there's no template for that. Mm. Um, so, you, you know, certainly there were some really, really tough times, especially after the 2017 election. Tough um, times in terms of what? Like, like loneliness or...? Um, well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult when you have a bad result. Because you sort of lose oh, okay. every argument because he would just say, oh, well, you're a non-voter for you. So, well, and, and the thing is, they're right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like yeah, a public, it's a public record, yeah. yeah. Um, and you can't say, oh, well, I wasn't trying to get votes because what the fuck were you doing? You know? So, um, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a pretty morose sort of a time. Um, but I definitely think, and, and in a way it's connected to the quitting drinking, because, I mean, one thing about it is, you know, you, um, 
alcohol produces enzymes, I forget, that, that also make you anxious. So mm-hmm. you wake up tired and anxious. That's not going to help. Oh, anxiety, um, yeah, it's a yeah, real thing. And you get less stuff done. Mm. I forget the chemicals, but, yeah, it's totally real. And and you get less stuff done, so you're not achieving it. You much forward momentum, so that that's a real problem too. Um, so, so there's a there's a bunch of issues there that you know alcohol and mental health, and I think Sir John Kerwin's really good on this, uh, connecting those. Um, but I also think that you, you know ultimately, uh, while there are real serious mental health issues, and people should get help, and and we need to do a lot better at people getting help. Sometimes you actually do just have to decide for yourself that you're going to make a go of it. Because one of the things that I've seen, you know, being involved in Kidsign or Lifeline and around that scene and, and, and seeing a few people involved in it is that, you know, there's always a danger that it starts to take on its own momentum. Mm. Uh, and, and that can be a real worry because all of a sudden, uh, sort of, you, you know, mental health issues become a topic in themselves. Yeah. You need to get help, they're a real problem but you also need to know what you can control and how you can move on. That's just as empowering. Yeah, because you, you got in a, a bit of trouble a few years ago for um, basically saying what you said now, but less eloquently. You said people with, uh, that are depressed need to harden up or something. No, I was didn't. It, was no, something I didn't, like that? No, I didn't say that. I, what, what was it exactly? There was there was, a, you got in trouble for a, something. There was a bunch of kids at, at, at this was about seven years ago, right. there was a bunch of kids at Vic Uni, and they were at, I'm pretty sure they were at a warehouse, which is the most exclusive uh, hall to be in at Vic. And um, they were going on about all their problems, and I've got to go to ex- uh, lectures and study and sort of exams, and I've got to work, and, oh, and I've got depression and anxiety. And I listened to the whole, you know, every whinging grievance. And I said, well, maybe you need to harden up. But they interpreted it as, as addressed at their right. depression anxiety comment, whereas it was really targeted at the fact that they were just chronic whinges about every aspect of their life. Um, but, of course, that got lost in translation. Yeah, of course it does. So, um, yeah, well, it's a sensa- sensationalism, isn't it? But you never, yeah. you never said, when you were working for Youthline, you never told anyone to harden up. <laughs> um, well, no, but, I mean... No. I mean I, I, listen, I, 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 I agree fully with what you're saying, and I think... You need to look after yourself. Nobody's mm. coming for you. Mm. And uh, mm. if you have a true chemical imbalance in your brain, then it probably needs to be rectified yeah. with medical intervention. But otherwise, there's like a lot of things you should try for mm. yourself first. Try mm. having cold showers. Try staying off the alcohol. Try, mm. try staying off social media. Yeah. And, and if, if you still feel like crap after doing all these little yeah. changes for your own good. 100%. And, and look, I mean, what, you know, the first thing anyone's going to prescribe you is cognitive behavior therapy, which is about you know challenging negative perceptions challenging the idea that what's bad is you know personal pervasive and permanent and saying well actually is that really true or is this you know a one-off or something you could do something about so you know you're on solid ground there that actually I, I, I think we we need to acknowledge the problem but also have a bit more you know you can do something about this and you do have choices and so on I know some people come mm. how dare well, actually, no. There's, you know, you say there are people with genuine issues, and you do need medical help. But um, there's also a lot of scope for making the most of every, making every post a winner. Yeah, absolutely. What are you most proud of? Do you think it's the end of the end of life, Bill? 
Oh, and uh, career-wise, um, I mean, career-wise. Career-wise. I am proud of end-of-life choice acts, um, but I'm much more proud of the act team and uh, the culture that's evolved there. I mean, we've brought in nine people new to politics and made some very high-performing MPs. You know, Brooke van Velden being the, the obvious standout amongst those, but um, you know, also Karen and Nicole and Mark and others too have done a really good job. So uh, we're pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of, of having led that team. It could have gone a number of ways, mm. but I think we've created a great culture. Um, the other thing that I'm probably more proud of is, is actually charter schools. You know, we decided that the most impoverished communities in New Zealand should, who were getting nowhere in education should have the opportunity to come up with their own ideas and run their own schools their way so long as they achieve those outcomes, attendance and achievement. And they did. Um, and, you know, the bigoted people out there say, well, these poor brown communities, why would you give them a chance? Well, actually, the, the most important thing we can do, and... Um, I remember one of them, a girl, and her name was literally Hope. She came up to me at the Vanguard Military School and she said, I never knew I was smart until I came here. And I thought, that's just extraordinary. Wow. Um, you Because know, kids basically assume that what they're born into is normal, like civil war in Mogadishu, you know, living on the Upper East Side of New York. I mean, they both think that their life is normal. Mm. Um, and um, as a result, you, you know, if, if you give them a bad environment, they'll internalise it. Yeah. Well, we changed her environment and she internalised that she was actually smart. Amazing. Uh, and so we did that hundreds, if not thousands of times through charter schools. And unfortunately, you know, Jacinda Ardern, who said she wanted to put children at the centre of everything, um, closed down 12 small experimental schools uh, in order to to do what? To... to to satisfy the demands of the teacher unions who didn't want any competition. It's just, it's totally outrageous. But I'm very proud of what we did there because it's not over. Uh, we have shown the proof of concept and we will do that and we will allow so many more kids to, to say again, I never knew how smart till I came here and actually oh. reached their potential. Oh, that's good. God, that must have been the most frustrating things, whatever your political persuasion is, um, having like parties reverse what you've done. That's got to be the most eye-rolling, annoying, irritating thing. Um, yeah, but that's that's politics. I mean, <laughs> look, they won the election. That was their agenda. Um, the thing is, I, I I don't think you can stop a good idea in the long term. And I predict, you know, in my lifetime, every school will be a charter school in the sense that it will be autonomous. Its principal will have the power to lead their teaching staff and do it their way. They will have to get certain outcomes in return for taxpayer money. People with new ideas will be able to start new ones. Ones that lose all their students will lose all their funding and be taken over and run better. You know, sooner or later, um, those ideas will come to pass because we just can't afford to do what we're doing yeah. now. It's it's just it's de destroying kids' potential. Well, the, uh, Einstein had a quote: "The definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result." So you need to try something different, don't you? Yeah, he was yeah. smart. So you know. yeah. One thing I've learned from doing this um, this podcast uh, a year now is that um, everyone's carrying around their own load. Everyone's carrying around like a bag of shit, and it's just how big the bag of shit is. What, <laughs> what, what is it for you? Regrets, guilt, shame. What's the load that you're carrying around? Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, There's oh. probably a lot of opponents that would like to answer this <laughs> on your behalf. But, um, yeah, maybe just in, in life or work or general. 
No, I mean, I'm sure that, like you say, people could identify uh, mistakes <laughs> I've made and so on. But, I mean, maybe it's just my personality that I don't see the point. Mm. I mean, I'm interested in what I can do, what I can change, what I can make better. Um, and by definition, you can't change the past. Mm. So I don't really dwell, dwell on that yeah. a lot. I, I, don't, I don't see the point. I mean, if there's... Uh, the the way I would frame it uh, and, and think of it slightly differently is, you know, what have I been able to to learn from the past? Uh, well, many things. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, people treat you about as well as you treat them, um, and if, if you invest in being a good person to others, you'd be amazed at the way they pay you back in unexpected ways. Mm. Has there been like a rock bottom in your life? What would rock bottom to I mean, if you get to thirty nine forty and you haven't experienced mm. anything too bad, I think you're bloody lucky. Um, but it's how you think of it. So yeah, how you I mean, it. you're more just a glass half full kind of guy. Um, well, I mean, I probably mentioned several. I mean, that twenty seventeen election was all right. Like so, so getting down to half a percent. I mean, only thirteen thousand people nationwide, you know, voted fact. I mean, that's everyone pretty, hates you pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, well, except for those 13,000. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, that's pretty rubbish, right? Like, I got more yeah, people yeah, voted yeah. for me personally in Epsom. Um, so so that's that, that's pretty rubbish. Um, but, you know, we, we reacted and fixed it, and now we're doing better. Mm. Um, and stuff like that will happen again. Um, but, yeah, I have to sort of scrape a bit. I mean, I, I stayed in my job in Canada for, for too long. I, I had a great first two years. I stayed for a second two years just out of inertia and probably... What's inertia? Uh, just not being movable. Like comfort zone. Heart. Yep, exactly. Um, and probably a bit of misplaced loyalty to um, my then employer. Um, so, you know, there's a, a few things like that. But, I mean, now, you know, you just got to move the dial a bit and, and think a bit more about number one. Um, if you don't like what you're doing, get out. So Let's do something about it. Yeah. So, you know, again, you could... Um, could certainly, could certainly say that was a terrible, tumultuous time, and it wasn't fair, and paid enough, and it was a horrible place, and I, you know, didn't feel I could move, and I was a victim. But who needs all that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think you can choose. A lot of people, I think, choose to be a victim because um, you know it's a. I suppose it's an easy dopamine hit getting that sympathy from people or people saying, "Oh, poor you." Yeah. Um, but why would you go with that stance? Yeah, so you lead the act party, you don't get any sympathy. So you, <laughs> you burnt the boat. You burnt the boats on the beach. What's the? Um, well, I promise we'll wrap this up in a second. What's the? What's the biggest surprise people get when they meet you? There's a there's a couple of things, and I, I just try to work out. Um, people say you're much shorter than I thought. Is that so? Now this is oh. good. This is good because. You see, their perception of me, if if they've only seen me on TV or in pictures, is that they think of me as a tall person, taller than I am in reality. Uh, I think the problem is, if if people say, I'm surprised you're so tall, then in their mind, you're a short person. So so, so this is is good. Um, Is it good to be a tall politician? Does it matter? Statistically, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a US president like less than six foot. They're always tall. Right. Um, Maybe if you go back to like FDR, but um, that was 80 years ago. Um, They're all tall, you know, so. um, Lincoln must have been really tall with that top hat on. Well, yeah, and and remember, everyone else was short then, so he must have been a monster. <laughs> you know, like Civil War, he's probably doing recon- yeah. reconnaissance by just standing there. Um, so, so that helps. The other thing, people say you're better looking in person, which I'm not sure what to make of that. 
But, Man, but that, it that, seems like a backhanded comment. By the, lo- way, by the logic of the previous one, um, what they're saying is that in my mind, in their mind, I'm an ugly person. <laughs> so, but, uh, but but I'm better looking in reality, uglier than I am in reality, which is pretty ugly. Mm. So, um, who knows? But um, th- those are two things people say a yeah. lot. That's interesting. What is, what is your relationship status at the moment? Is this something you talk about or not really? It's just married to Parliament. Really? Yeah. What's the longest relationship you've had? Mm, two and a half years. Right. Yeah. Right. You've been in love. You must have said I love you. You've been in love before. Oh yeah, but uh, I mean, obviously it didn't work out, did it? <laughs> well, I mean, most relationships, I guess, yeah. run their natural course, don't they? For whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, funnily enough, I. Um, one of the things I do as a local MP, I um, sign cards to people that are having a golden or even diamond wedding anniversary. There's an astonishing number mm. of people that have made it that far. What's diamond? Like 50? Uh, diamond's 60. 60. I think, 60, I think yeah. golden's 50, yeah. diamond's 60, yeah. I mean, is it going to be um, – you obviously eventually, I guess, want to get married and potentially have kids. Uh, yeah. Um, I, are you uh, Has the bar for you been set particularly high because you aspire to have something like your parents had? Yeah, isn't that interesting, eh? Like, I i mean, it's not scientific, but I noticed my friends whose parents separated have often actually been a lot better at finding a partner and making their relationships work. Is that right? So they yeah, and that's, the that, that's just my anecdotal yeah. evidence, which may just be uh, a fluke. Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe it's actually harder if your parents had a good relationship, but, mm. um, yeah, speculating there. Yeah. Or do you, do you just are you going to Clooney your way through life? You like being the the single guy, George Clooney. I think <laughs> yeah. it's I think being a single. I think guy, he was single to like fifty four, wasn't he? And then he. I think I think being a single guy is probably better when you're like George Clooney. Um, <laughs> but I, I could be like you and um, is it Brad Pitt or um, no Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got that sawtooth graph every time they get to twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we joked about this in the start. Mm. Do you have a relationship with running at all? Are you a runner? Oh, you I do used it for to fitness. Lo- or? I used to love running, um, and I used to love the cross country uh, at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. hated the school cross country. No, I love the cross country because we were up in Whangarei on the outskirts of the town, so we'd run through the forest. So I got lost once. I went to one of my old teachers' uh, funerals, and they were talk. Some of the sayings that. Among many other things, he lost David Seymour in the bush, but um, he found me too. So um, he, it was, uh, uh, used to love that. I, I don't really run now uh, just because my knees aren't that great. And funnily enough, um, munted one of them in Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. and I munted another one, hyperextended it in the, um, in the uh, basketball. So I actually swim now, so I go to the Newmarket Olympic in the morning. Um, do a few hundred metres there, and I'm, I'm terrible at it, but this is great. And, and sometimes people say, oh, I could help you with your technique. I say, no, 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 I'm doing it for exercise. You make me more efficient, I'll have to swim further to get the same exercise. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way. So is that all you do? You don't go to the gym or anything? Because you, like no. you look like you're in pretty good shape. You've just got a good diet and you obviously don't drink too much. Yeah, I um, when I was in sixth and seventh form, I was obsessively... Gym bunny. I sometimes go go to the gym twice a day. I was taking creatine before anyone knew what it would do, um, and um, I, I got up. I mean, I, I could bench over a hundred kgs, um, even though I weighed under seventy. So I actually had a pretty good run. Um, you, you know, back then I I don't know if I've got any muscle memory, but that was the the last time I did any exercise anyway, yeah. aside from swimming. 
All right, and um, so it's an election year this year. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Crystal ball gazing. Is, um, is uh, Christopher Luxon and National going to win now? I mean, anything can happen in a political year, can't it? But I can guarantee you, after the last couple of years, no one party will, will win. Right. Um, so, so no, Christopher Luxon and National will not alone uh, win the election. No party will. I think the the odds on are you know right now speaking to you on what twentieth of January, um, Acta National you know have a have a clear lead in the polls and, and clear momentum in the polls, but politics just changes so quickly. So you have a new Labour leader. We don't know how they'll perform. Um, you know Chris himself he's done okay so far, but he hasn't really gone through a campaign. It's his first campaign, so he could do very well. He could do not so well. He might just sort of oh, about where he is now. Don't really know. Um, and then. You've just got events. I mean, you've got to remember, you know, this idiot Putin could decide to use a nuclear weapon uh, and NATO could decide to go into Ukraine. Uh, you could have, um, you know, this idiot she uh, decide to try and reunify by crossing the Formosa Strait and invading Taiwan. I mean, all of that stuff could mm. happen. Um, and then there's just questions around, you know, on this economic roller coaster. So look at all these people refixing their mortgages. I like to think that inflation will disappear as fast as it came along, and there's some good reasons to think that. If you look at container shipping prices gone through the floor, um, maybe that's a good thing. China re-entering the world economy, I think, will be ultimately deflationary because they'll demand a lot of stuff, but they'll produce even more, um, and they'll also spend a lot and stimulate the economy globally. So, you know, the economic conditions might improve, but I think they'll probably still be bad. Add it all together, um, it will all cancel out and we'll be about where we are now with Act being about a quarter, maybe a third of a government and uh, and the Nats being the rest of it. And David Seymour potentially is, um, I know it's not your motive or your motivation, but Deputy Prime Minister? Yeah, I mean, look, we've, we've said we'll take the take the position if the policies are right mm. but, you know, smart people when they go for a job, they ask, well, what, what will I be able to do in this job? You know, that's that's the question, uh, and if the, you know the job is basically you get the title, but but the national party won't agree to the kinds of policies we think New Zealand needs. Waste then of why, time. why become yeah. a salesperson for your opponents? So um, that all remains to be seen. But what I do know is, if you like X values, you should give us your party vote because mm. you know I know people try and overcomplicate it, but it really is as simple as that. If we if vote your values with your party vote and vote for ACT, and, and thanks for your support at the last election. Mm. Well, David Seymour, thank you very much for your time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You're not so much of an arrogant prick after all, are you? Oh, well, it's <laughs> very, very kind of you to say. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you, Don. Good on you. Really appreciate your time, and best of luck for the rest of 2023. Hope it's a massive year for you and ACT. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks very much for making it to the end of this conversation with David Seymour. Love to hear your thoughts. Runners only with Dom Harvey on Instagram or by email, domharveynz at gmail.com. And again, thanks to the sponsors of this episode, Radix Nutrition. Please check them out, radixnutrition.co.nz. That's R-A-D-I-X. Their products taste incredible and the team there in the Waikato are 100% passionate about being the best and that's obvious as soon as you taste their products. Also, free shipping on orders over $59, so please get amongst it. All right, that concludes another episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Thank you so much, and hope to see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.